Okay, so let us go through exactly what we have to do before next class and why. So today, because you turned in your interview, somebody in the face, because you turned in your interview, right, you have now completed your six sources for this paper. And you'll notice that your friends in other CE classes, they're going to be collecting other sources for other papers as they go. But the six sources that you have collected, you're going to live with those forever. For the rest of the semester, you're going to write all of the following, all of the upcoming big fat assignments. They're all going to be based on these sources. Yes? So that's why we, we're really nitpicky about getting those organizers done, making sure that we know those sources deep in our soul. Right? And while I know, I know, I don't suppose, I know that you hated doing those source outliners, outlines, right? Like, I know that. You will start to understand the benefit of truly knowing your source. And I know, because I lived this life, right, that most of the writing that you've done for school has been largely minimum 40% BS every time you've written anything for any class. That's true, right? Here's the, what I want for you to understand and feel is how it feels to write a paper that's 100% not BS, right? You know your sources, you know how your sources interact, you are the one who decided how to organize said sources, and you know exactly the beginning to end what your paper is going to look like. And in that way, you're gonna produce something that's not BS. It might be boring, but it won't be BS, right? So just the feel, your muscle memory of writing a paper that you understand the sources, you've done the work, you've done the homework, you've done the legwork for it, and watch how easily an eight-page paper comes together, right? But what's really important to realize is that you're not done. So what we've done is we've looked at each of the sources specifically, and that's great, but that's like junior high stuff, right? What we're going to do now is the basis of this course English 1010 is all about synthesizing source information. Synthesizing just means taking it all separately and bringing it all together in a cohesive and insightful way, right? Taking a look at how all of those sources interact ideologically, right? So that's what this paper, this, that's what you're writing now. So now you've done the junior high stuff, just select the sources, outline the sources, and now you're going to do the college level thinking type of stuff that this course was designed for, right? Where you're gonna take all those sources and bring them together in a way that provides a higher level academic picture of your topic. So far so good? Okay, so a lot of you might ask, well, we did all the outlines, why do we still have to do an outline, right? So, but those outlines were for your paper and now you're doing a Big Fat Mama outline for your whole paper, right? And how those sources fit together. I'm gonna tell you in mistake number one that people make with this paper is that there's you're, you've been asked to like write answer a question and then defend your answer to that question with basically every writing prompt you've ever had in your whole entire life right here's a question you answer the question and then tell me why that's the answer to the question right the problem is this is not that paper this is not that paper so if you look at the top of this outline everyone look at the top the first thing it's going to ask you to do is take your thesis and make it guide your whole entire paper. The problem is, in your mind, so far you've been taught that a thesis statement is where you make a claim. You take a side. You make a statement. So in your mind, you might still be thinking, my thesis statement is where I say college is good, college is bad. AI is good, AI is bad. Right? You don't get to have an opinion. Right? 
The reason is, number one, because you're in a 1010 class and you're not an expert on anything yet. But bigger reason, the type of paper that we're writing is not an opinion paper, right? You can talk about the opinions of the people that wrote the sources, but your opinion is nowhere to be seen, right? The literal definition of a literature review is that you take all different sources on the same topic and use those sources to explore a whole comprehensive, nuanced understanding of that topic. No sides can be taken, right? So if you find yourself writing a thesis about whether or not your topic is good or bad or a yes or a no to that question, you have started out wrong and the whole paper is going to be wrong. So far so good? So a thesis for this paper sounds something like there is a debate on this topic. There is an argument on this topic, right? So instead of saying college is good, college is bad, you're going to say, your thesis statement is going to say, experts argue whether college is an appropriate life choice for American students today, right? The thesis is that there is an argument. You don't take a side on the argument. Your thesis is that the argument exists and you're going to explore that argument. So far, so good? Okay, so again, if you find yourself taking a side, stop, red flag should go off. You're going to get to take a side in the next paper after the literature review. You're going to get to boldly take a side, but not until you finish the literature review. So far, so good? Okay, so then the next biggest mistake that people make is that they go to try to write these headings here. So if you look at your outline, go to this page, the one with the three columns. And you get so caught up in what source goes where and how to introduce each source that you forget the literal point of a heading is not to give a, like a summary of both sources. The summary of both sources in your heading is just all background information for your reader. The meat and potatoes of the heading and the whole point of the paper are these connections parts at the end of each of your headings, right? How do these two sources agree with each other? And by sources, I mean authors. How do these two authors agree with each other? And how do they disagree ideologically on the subpoints that you've pointed out on your graphic organizers, right? The fact that you're talking about how those sources intermingle and how those sources differ, that's your synthesis. That's the whole point of the paper. What you're doing with these agrees and disagree parts is you're saying, here is how the conversation rounds out. Here's how different experts on this conversation are discussing this same topic, right? So the connection part is the most important part of your paper. Everything else in this paper is lead up to these connections that are happening in each heading. And so in order to help you get there, because sometimes you get lost in the weeds with these headings, I've given you this little like breakdown of what a heading looks like, right? So this breakdown of what a heading looks like, it's on the other side. It's like on the opposite side of the three column page. It'll give you a step-by-step -step directions on literally what the heading is supposed to look like. If you literally put this information in this exact order, use transition words and phrases, start to, start to finish in a heading, your heading is going to be awesome. It'll have everything that you need. It'll score well. I'm never going to give you an outline unless the outline is going to help you reach what Weber State is expecting to see in order to give you the credit. So I've taken their assignment description and I've structured it so you know exactly what to do. Don't deviate from this. Just do exactly what's here and just make it sound formal, make it transitional and use all of the quote sandwich information that I've given you in the college level writing info that I've given you. This is the key, right? So for every heading should follow this exact pattern. Don't, don't like do any of the rows halfway. Do everything full out and you'll be fine.
right? That's it. So as you're writing your outline for your heading, read through this, because if you're like, wait, which connection and what, who, what now? This will help you remind you of the purpose of the heading and where the heading is headed. <laughs> Nobody, just me. Okay. Um, I thought it was awesome, but it's just me apparently. Um, so this little outline, right, can become problematic. I'm going to help you understand where the problems lie, and I'm going to help you try to avoid the problems that you might encounter before you even write this outline, right? So put that on hold. But this outline, all three pages, need to be fully completed and brought into class with you next time. If you write it by hand, you can just bring it in handwritten as long as it's readable, okay? If you do it digitally, there's an option on Canvas to do it digitally. If you do it digitally, you have to print it out like from a printer and be on time to class to get credit for that. So far, so good? So you're gonna walk inside this door next time we have class with a printed version or a handwritten version on paper on paper version of this outline, three pages, ready to go. So far, so good? But that's not all you're going to walk into class with. No, no, it's not, right? So the next thing you're going to walk into class with is your completed works cited page, which shouldn't be a problem at all because you've been so meticulous on those individual graphic organizers, including punctuation, right? You've been so meticulous that all you need to do is Frankenstein the pieces of those citations together onto a page, alphabetize it, and you're good to go. Format it, double space, remove the extra space between paragraphs, hanging indent, all that good stuff, right? All you, you've already done your work cited page. You literally just need to Frankenstein it together and format it. So far, so good? Here's the thing. This is a grading rubric for your work cited page. We're not peer reviewing your work cited page in class next time. We are peer grading your work cited page in class next time and there are no redos. Why would I say that? Anybody? Just to be mean. I let you redo most things in this class. Why are there no redos for this? Because we already peer reviewed it. That. Beautiful. Yes, but also, you've already peer reviewed it, and we've already gone through the information of how to structure this. You've already learned it. The, all you need to do now, the ball is totally in your court. And you need to just execute what you've already learned. Or utilize the resources that have already been made available to you. Don't think I don't know that some of you haven't even touched that MLA module in Canvas. Don't think I don't know about you, right? So, you know, it shows me, like, page views and who views what and for how long, right? <laughs> I, I see you guys. Um, so, no, you're actually doing great. I was making it sound worse than it is. But... This is the rubric that we will use to grade your works cited page. There's no surprises. Not trying to gotcha, right? If you look at this rubric, right, and then you just look at the rubric and make sure that works cited page follows this rubric, then you're get 100% on the rubric, right? No, no. It's see again. There's no redos, but also no surprises. Do we understand this? Everything you need to know about the works cited page is either Googleable. Or it's in the MLA 9th edition. Is that a funny word? Did I say it funny? Yeah, it rolled off the tongue that time. I do like how it happened. I do, you're right. Um, okay, so also on top of the, your graphic organizer, your outline thing, the three-page outline, you're also bringing a printed version of your works cited page into class. We are peer grading that next time. But it's not going to be that hard because you put so much time, effort, and peer review time into creating this works cited page that all you need to do is just bloop, 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 read the rubric, format it, print. 
Yeah? Both of those things also need to be submitted on Canvas before you walk into class. You have questions about what's due next time. Then the time after that, after we cover the outline, you're ready to write. Then you'll write your first heading in the very next class period after that. Halloween, we'll peer review that first heading. That's it. And then, bless you, and then the, then the next time we'll do three headings, peer review it, and then the next time after that we'll peer review the whole paper. You revise it, turn it in. We'll be done. It'll be fun. Yeah, we're going to write it, the paper. Why do you make that face? Are you surprised? <laughs> I'm not surprised. Why do you make that face? I didn't. I you did? They saw it with me. You're gaslighting me. <laughs> it's fine. Um, okay, so <laughs> do, we under, do we have any questions about that process? Okay, it's, I mean, it's here, you're ready. You're ready to fly. No, okay. Here's the problem though. No matter what I say, no matter what I do, you're still gonna make mistakes on your literature review, right? One of the best things I've found is to help you understand the most common mistakes before you even make them. And sometimes you can, you can fix, preemptively fix the most common mistakes before you even write the paper in the outline process, right? So what I'm gonna do is show you the video that I made for last year's students so you know the biggest mistakes that they made so you can learn from their mistakes instead of yours, right? So I have a list for you of their big mistakes and next to this list, so it says group feedback here, next to this list, I want you to put the, the lime green rubric for the graphic, for the literature review next to it because you can see that each row of this group feedback corresponds to a rubric row, right? And your job as you watch this is to get out a highlighter, 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 and then as we go through each of the most common mistakes that people made last year, you're gonna use your highlighter to highlight the one thing in each rubric area that you think you're gonna have the hardest time with, that you're gonna watch out for, that you know that you need to work on and try to avoid making mistakes on next time in this paper, right? So we're gonna learn from their mistakes, but I also want you to think back to the mistakes that you made on the documentary review. So the documentary review, I was super nice on, right? Super nice, it was your first big fat paper, super generous with the grading, but if you start to make the same mistakes in the, the documentary review, and you carry those mistakes over to the literature review, I'm not gonna be so generous, right? Because I don't expect perfection from you, that's not reasonable, but I definitely expect that if I took time to give you feedback on something, that you take that feedback and you fix it the next time, right? So again, perfection, not necessary, but don't be making the same mistakes more than once. So far, so good? So this is a good way for you to preemptively understand those mistakes and avoid them and also my son just really wanted to be involved, which is funny because it's a long video and he has autism and ADHD and he still like sat there the whole time and was like on it. I think he really cared for some reason about the paper. This class takes a lot of time, so I'm required to do a lot of work outside contract hours, which means at home. So you're gonna see a little bit of that. Don't judge me. All right, are we ready? So we're highlighting in one, every rubric row, one thing that you're gonna take with you and work on and one mistake that you think you might make but you're not going to because now you're aware of it, right? And keep the rubric out so you can read what the expectation was for that section and then see how the mistake conflicts with that, right? <laughs>